Welcome to Shaken Not Stir, the best served cold after party. Where we dissect cases even more, chat about current news stories and just generally shoot the shit. After party, after the party, it's the hotel lobby. Yeah, nice. I'm not going to sing for you all. Great. Welcome to the Shake and Not Stirred episode, the after party for the Best of Cold podcast show. Uh, what's crackalackin', home skillet? Uh, not much, man. We are we really thrilled with the response we've gotten. Yeah, the latest episode for the Chris Watts episode. Still Thank pretty you well. so much for tuning in. It's um. It's been a bit of a firecracker episode in terms of downloads, which we always love to see. Yeah. We love to see it. Uh, helps us get on the charts, uh, all that jazzy doodle. It's been um, interesting too, just after obviously researching it um, and recording the episode and then sort of looking over things we went over and uh, I, I kind of had a few funny revelations of certain things and some updates but also things i just wanted to clarify uh which we can get into at some point but uh yeah do you want to just jump right into it isn't that what we're doing that's what we're doing uh, haven't we jumped yeah cool uh so (laughs) (laughs) yeah cool uh can i just quickly paint a picture for anyone who thinks that these podcasts are somewhat Glamorous. So Tama and I have both just gotten home from our respective exercise regimes. We're both not had showers, so we're both covered in sweat. Uh, mm. We should probably be showering and in bed because, well, I mean, Tama has to go to work tomorrow. I'm unemployed. Hee <laughs> hee. Lovely. Um, it's currently 10 p.m. Uh, we probably should be going to bed. But instead, we're recording this episode. For you. So if anyone ever thought this whole shebang was glamorous, she ain't. We do it for the love. Yeah. She's a she's a, she's a a not a pretty lady, but she really gets the job done. I you're not talking about me. No. <laughs> Imagine not. if that's how you introduce me to people. Yeah. She's not a pretty lady, mm. but she gets the job done. I just wanted to um, give a little insight to one of our cats, just because like, people seem to really love the idea of people our cats. People love and, the cats. Um, our eldest one has severe anxiety and whenever he gets like freaked out by anything, he, he hides, hides in the, in the cupboard. Little cupboard. He knows how to open it, gets in there, just hides in there. I don't know what's stirred him up now, uh, but he's in there right now as soon as we started and our little baby one's really interested in whatever the fuck he's doing. She's just, she's loving whatever's going on here. Hmm. All right. Well, I wanted to first of all clarify on this fucking um, this this Sherilyn Cadle author. So you know, I was telling oh, you. Oh about- yeah, you were telling me about that. So she was the author who wrote the book on letters between Chris Watts and her, as well as I, th- I think she'd said phone calls, and it- it's kind of weird. All the post. Netflix stuff that's on rather the the stuff around the Netflix video. So Netflix video is as authentic as you can come by. It's no reenactment. It's just literally the body cam footage, footage from social media, yeah. and then footage from the interrogations and, and the yeah. hearing. Because that's what a lot of people are saying, like, oh, they left so much stuff out. I'm like, yeah, but the stuff they left out, just, like the yeah. way the film is structured, it's a it's a... Like almost like a found footage style. It's thing. a documentary. Found footage, on- real footage. Like it's not. They're not interviewing people, as in like doing stage yeah. interviews. They're not doing. It's not like an investigative journalist piece. It's just literally piecing together. It's what's so interesting about the case is is that there's so much documented do- documented footage on everything around it, and that's why that. Netflix video exists is because there's so much compiled footage of everything. I mean, let's be real. Netflix, a fucking marketing genius. Do you realize it would have basically cost them or no nothing. money yeah. to make this because someone's just public. sitting in Final Cut, cut Final, Jesus Christ, Final Cut Pro, Final Cut Pro, mm-hmm. dropping and dragging footage in, and yeah, they've must have made so much money off this. Yeah, I reckon. Um, so. 
the thing about it is, apart from this weird reenactment thing that a, a, a actual company made without the family's approval, by the way, uh, there's nothing really out there in terms of media you can absorb, like books or you know documentaries. It's just YouTube videos about it, which is you know the most interesting. Uh, pieces of evidence uh, that we have like either it's actually stuff from body cams or it's people talking about it but um this book is one of the only books i think the only book out about chris watts that has anything to do with him and reportedly the whole fucking thing is just one big sham like one big firecracker of bullshit Mm. It's, um, I was just going to say, there's also, like, there's quite a bit of controversy going on with this whole case at the moment. So, the other, th- like, sort of controversial matter that's happening is, uh, I keep going to pronounce her name Shannon, but I know it's not. Shannon. Um, it's so stuck in my head, Shannon, and then every time I go to say it, I'm like, that's not how you pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, there's an apostrophe, um, apostrophe in there somewhere. Sh- no, it's spelled with an A. Yeah, but it's got, an apost- it's got an apostrophe in oh, the middle. It? Yeah, she's oh. like, Shannon. Um, anyway, Shannon's family launched this. So they've been saying they've been receiving a lot of hate and like being tormented by people yeah, I saw that. online, which is awful. Horrible, yeah. I'd just like to like firstly clarify that before I say what I'm about to say. No one deserves to be tormented online, particularly when you're talking about tormenting them about their daughter and their grandchildren being violently murdered. Are you making that noise or is one of the cats cats. vomiting in the cupboard? No, it's someone's playing or something. Okay, it sounded like a vomit noise. I got really scared for a second. Um, So they've launched this GoFundMe because they're trying to change the laws around... I guess, like bullying online, which is a noble cause. But a lot of people are very quick to point out that they're receiving hate from... So basically, there's a very fine line for social media companies to censor what is, you know, what falls under freedom of speech and what is just harassment and bullying. And they're also receiving it from different countries. It's not just like coming from the States. So a lot of people are accusing the family now of potentially trying to get people to donate money as a scam because they're like, well, what is this money for? Like, what are you getting lawyers for? What, Like, what are you trying to do exactly? Because you can't enforce an international law that tells people what they can and can't say online. Like, because A, you can't, you know... The, the people saying the things they're saying fall under the jurisdiction of whatever country they live in and that country's laws. Yeah. And two, like, where, like, who's going to be the police on what is freedom of speech? It's and an what's impossible harassment? cause. It's an impossible for. cause. I'm not saying it's not a justified yeah. cause. I think social media companies 100% need to do something about the amount of bullying and harassment that occurs on their platform. But a lot of people are saying, like, what exactly are you raising money for? Because the family has admitted they're like, we don't even know how much money we need to raise. We're just going to put this, like, random figure on a GoFundMe and, like, hope for the best. So a lot of people are being like, where is this money going? Um, So that was the new controversy. I don't – I mean, I don't think it's a scam. I don't think it's a scam either. I just maybe don't think they've thought through the practicality. Where is this money going? Yeah. Where where is it going? What is it for? Can you explain that before I donate my money? Like I would love it? for them to instead be like we're going to be campaigning with the cuz at the end of the day, no matter how much money you raise, your lawyers against Facebook's lawyers, you're going to get nowhere. You're never like win. it's a multi-billion dollar company. I think it would be great for them to say, you know, we're going to be quietly campaign, not quietly, but we're going to be campaigning in the background to try and work with these social media companies to help, uh, like, tweak their guides around what you can and can't say and what is harassment and what's not. Yeah, I think... And then all that money um, you've given us, we're going to donate it to a domestic violence charity. Like, I think that would be... I I don't know. I think the thing that needs to change is just the fact that when you do report something for breaking the clear guidelines on Facebook and Instagram... 
they disregard it as not breaking the yeah, violations. Yeah, I reported a literal video on Instagram of someone being beheaded. Yeah. And they came back and they were like, this does not violate our community guide. What do you mean it doesn't violate your community guidelines? Do you remember there was what? that, um, I think she was 17, and there was that video of that guy who decapitated her. Oh, um, oh what was her name? Uh Brianna, I remember. Yeah, and I... there was um, Instagram profiles that were literally just commenting just on photos. meme pages being like, here's the photos of the decapitation. Yeah. And and that spread like wildfire. Yeah, and, fire. you know, people I knew and myself included were reporting the pages for literally breaking the fucking guidelines of Instagram. Yeah. And their response was, these, aren't, these pages don't violate our guidelines. Meanwhile, a fucking nipple gets classed as inappropriate in, like, mere seconds. Yeah, a fucking it's, it's nipple. wild. It's such a bizarre thing. And and the the internet is such um, a vast... Sorry to interrupt. It was Bianca Devins was That's, the girl's yeah. name. Um, it, it's such a vast medium. Like, there's nothing you can realistically do to police the internet. It's... Everyone's on it. There's billions of people in the fucking world. And... It's gone to the point where it's like it's just out of control. There's no thing you, there's nothing you can really do to police it. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that was a weird rant we got into. To go there. back to the author. Um, oh yeah, sorry, Sharon I kind Cato. of sidetracked you there. So, but it was just another thing related to the case that I saw that had popped up. Yeah. Well. So it was just something that popped up for me that this book exists and this author exists, and I was like, I saw the notes like, um, it's Sherilyn Cato's debut novel not novel uh like book whatever i was like oh wow that's interesting like that's really good for her like a debut book that's amazing apparently it's just like riddled with typos and things that don't actually exist and things that have no actual proof it sounds like stephanie meyer has tried to have her like novel come back yeah i was author of twilight for anyone who didn't get that joke um so the the book, I don't think it has an editor. I think it's just her. <laughs> There's uh, no always, editor. <laughs> always a great start. Uh, and it features like letters, and I'm using quotation marks here, letters, because we've never seen these letters. It's just, we're kind of just given the thought of like, oh yeah, they exist. There's no actual, le-. and that's why in the episode I was like, I'll wait until, I'll see it when I, believe it when I see it kind of mm. thing. But um, th- that's where she was talking about how, he was trying to poison her and trying to cause her to miscarry oh, yeah, days and months before. Yeah. And then he tried to kill the kids before he tried to kill Shanann. And- it's kind of wild that these just completely unsubstantiated theories. I mean, that's the internet. She probably made a pretty penny off selling these books. But oh, I'm sure the she thing has. is, all the reviews on different websites you can buy the book from, they're fucking horrible. They're just... All of them are one stars, one stars, book but is see, false, that's the book thing. is typo. Like when something, so there's two levels of success in my opinion. There's the level of success where something is so good that word of mouth spreads and you buy it or watch it or listen to it because a friend has said, this is so great, like you need to listen to it. And then there's the other level of success where you make an absolute shit ton of money because everyone talks about how terrible the thing you've made is. Yeah. And so people will buy it just so they can read how, like, you know, someone will buy it out of curiosity. They'll be like, oh, it can't be that bad. And so they buy it and read it and they're like, oh my God, it was actually that bad. And then it develops this like cult, like The Room. The movie The Room is a perfect example that developed this cult following for being so, so bad, bad it's good. good. Yeah. Not just bad for being bad, like a like a just regular bad movie. actually bad. <laughs> like, there's so many bad movies out there that are just like... Like, any Steven Seagal movie is just bad. Yeah. Not... Like, the, so the first few ones were bad, but for good reasons. Any but the current... the current Steven Seagal movie Any is, current yeah. Adam Sandler movie. Yes. That's the yes. benchmark. The, uh, Anything like Jack and Jill and Jack- After, oh, just yeah. like, don't even... Don't at me. Don't even. And then he does a really amazing role in Uncut Gems, I think it was. That was, was the movie. His last good comedy movie, in my humble opinion, was Click. Yeah, and that wasn't was... even that great. But it, it was like a feel-good. It, it was an acceptable comedy. Yeah. 
Yeah. He really I, peaked in like the Billy Madison Big Daddy. Yeah, yeah, he really did. And then it just kind of, you know, just dropped off. Like, at least with, say, Jim Carrey, who had like a very interesting early career and then delved into a weird space where he was on and off doing like, he, he kind of did like the Daniel Radcliffe thing where he had big roles and was a big actor, mm. but then was like, oh, I just want to do indie stuff or weird things. Just the way to do it. Just and that's kind of what... um Patterson. Patterson and Stewart have both done. Yes. They made a yes. shit ton of money and went, cool, well, I'm set for life. I'm going to just make the films I want to make. And in my opinion, Daniel Radcliffe and Patterson and, and Stewart... And Stewart, they're have, all fantastic they've, actors. They've done some incredible films. Yeah. Robert Patterson in The Lighthouse. Oh, my God. And then our mate Tom was telling us about that... Good mo- Times. Good Times. That sounds amazing. It does. Um, Daniel Radcliffe, there was... Um, he did that uh, weird Broadway movie. show where yeah. he was naked. He also did the movie where he plays a dead body that talks. I can't remember the name Ooh, of it. I don't remember that There was one. a Kimbo where he has guns like literally attached to his oh. hands. Um, oh. Yeah, it's very, very bizarre films. And, um, it, it, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, damn, these guys really know what they're fucking doing. And then Patterson comes mm. back with the fucking Batman movie. Like, Oh, my God. I'm right. so excited for that. Jesus. Um, just... Segwaying back to Chris Watts. Yes. Um, the other thing that's come out recently is that... So, obviously, people who have a morbid fascination with killers and true crime, like us, would potentially be the type of people who would write to a murderer in prison. Correct? As in just a... Oh, I think what, I know, I Like, know trying to dissect their psyche. Like, I would consider writing to someone in jail just to be like... Yeah. Please tell me what goes on in your brain on a daily basis. Yeah. Apparently, and I say apparently because I have no idea how substantiated any of these stories are, apparently there are like hundreds of women writing love letters to Christopher Watts in jail. Oh, it's not apparently, it's real. I don't know if it's a hundred, if it's hundreds, but it's there's definitely women I, writing I just, to like, okay. In I'm gonna, the in the, gonna, in the 2000 page discovery, do, yeah. the tech there's actually printed letters of fans, mostly of women professing them. Mm. There's pages and pages of them. Okay, so I'm just gonna take the reins as the female host of this show for just a moment. If you are a lady listening to this, thinking of writing a love letter to a serial killer, I'd like you to stop. I'd like you to sit down and I would like you to reassess your life choices. Just woman to woman. I don't care if you want to like, by all means, like fucking write to, you know, David Berkowitz and be like, dude, why'd you do it? Like, that's fine. But don't be like, oh my God, my honey, my sweet, please, please come out and be with me. You need to go to- You know he murdered his wife. You need to go to horny jail. For a night jail. and just re just rethink your life. Love. It's like the jail where they just go and like they play really non sexual videos. Yeah. It's like the scene in Clockwork Orange where they like hold your eyelids open <laughs> and make you like watch dung beetles having sex. They or make something. you watch porn videos where the porn doesn't actually happen. Like the mechanic comes and actually fixes <laughs> just- the car. Yeah. <laughs> The plumber comes. There's just, real videos like just that. Just the opening well. scene of the pornos and they cut out. Yeah. Well, it's no, literally just like delivery men coming in being like, did anyone order a pizza? There's an actual guy on Pornhub who does that. I'm who, like, sorry. I think I just clipped the mic. I was laughing sorry. too hard, but that's the best idea. We yeah. should like make a movie and submit it to Sundance. It's just <laughs> the opening clips of porn films. Yeah, That's but yeah, amazing. That's, it's a real thing that... People are writing letters to not only are there people writing letters who who feel empathy for him because they've quote gone through the same thing he's gone through, which in re- in regards what? to that is apparently uh, wrongful imprisonment. What do you mean? Um, he and then several women professing their love oh to God. Chris. I just it's such a but like when you think about it the. Um, uh, what, what was his name? Uh, Tench, not Tench. Um, the John Douglas. No, the the man who murdered um several nurses. 
Richard Speck. Speck. Richard Speck. What Even, is it? You can never remember his name. I, it's, There's I something can remember about everyone else. him it, where you're always like, oh, the dude that killed all those nurses. I swear we do this every like three episodes. Speck and, I'm like, and Tench, Speck. I get the name mixed up. So then I go. They're two very, very different. I know, but I get the names mixed up and I get stuck on Tench and my brain goes Tench, 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 Tench. And then Speck gets shoved in the back of my head. I'm like, what's the fucking name? Yeah. Um, but, uh, but him, that he, even he got. Love letters sent to him, and he's a man who literally yeah, fucking it's raped wild. one woman and killed a whole bunch of others. It's, uh, it's. See, I don't have an issue believing that people would want to send letters to serial killers because, I mean, it's the reason that podcasts like this exist because yeah. they're fascinating in a very morbid way to kind of dissect their psyche. And ponder, like, what is it that makes you do the things that you did? But to write a love letter and, like, profess your love to someone who murdered his pregnant wife and two children, I... I, Just marry a guy who smokes weed or date a guy who smokes weed. Let's just put it down to childhood trauma. (laughs) What's your childhood trauma? trauma, Your name is way too close to Tama, I think. Trauma Trauma, Tama. What is your childhood trauma? Do you know what I realized yep. this afternoon? Yeah. Because I, I did the thing that I'm about to tell you about and was like, oh, that's like connected to this like low-key childhood trauma I have. I realized that when I put my chin in my hand, like you know how everyone sits like that, though you put your when you're mm-hmm. resting, I always cover my chin with my hand. Like I'll always... I don't know if you've ever noticed that no, I, I do, do that. Yeah, I do. It's because when I was a teenager, I had awful acne on my chin. Oh, right. So I okay. was really self-conscious about it. And I only realized that today that I still do it out of just habit now. Thank God my acne is cleared up. Right. But I used to sit like that as a way of like trying to cover my acne and I realized today that I still do it as a habit. And I was like, no, it's all down mm. to that childhood trauma. I mean, not really trauma. I don't know if I have trauma. anything like that. I definitely have childhood trauma, but I don't have I mean, that. We all have childhood trauma. My no childhood trauma how. is magpies. I think in, that's every Australian, every Australian childhood kid trauma. In the, in, in the, in, that exists has gone through magpie trauma. Those things are fucking deadly. And scary. I mean, that's probably compared to what some people experience. We've both had very, very low key childhood traumas. Yeah. Uh, sure. Well, some people, you know, are uh, you know assaulted and abused, and yeah, yeah. So, um, was it? There was nothing really else that I had to talk about with oh, Chris. I. I want to talk about John Wayne Gacy. So go for it. Because I was going to talk about this in last week's episode, which didn't happen because instead I decided to have an emotional breakdown. Uh, So that was the details of the day that John Wayne Gacy is arrested following the night where he gets drunk and confesses to his lawyer. Because just what he does on the day is kind of just so wild and I didn't really have time to get into the nitty-gritty of it. So basically, if you haven't listened to the John Wayne Gacy episode, I would probably recommend doing that. Otherwise, this part's not going to make any sense. So as I mentioned in the main episode, Gacy gets to a point where he's pretty kind of certain that he's going to He's he's caught, basically. He's He knows that he's going to be arrested and he's that he's for. been caught. He's done. So he goes to his lawyer's office and he walks in and he picks up a copy of the Daily Herald, which is a newspaper, and it has his last victim on the front cover. And he throws down the newspaper onto the lawyer's desk and says, the boy is dead, he's in the river. So this is when his lawyer kind of pours him a drink and Gacy starts giving this really like hours long drunk rambling confession about all these boys he's murdered. And that he says that he'd been the quote judge during executioner of many, many people and that he now wants the same for himself. 
He tells his lawyer that he's buried most of his victims in his crawl space and disposed of the five other bodies in the local river. And he kind of writes off most of his victims as male prostitutes, hustlers and liars, basically trying to, I guess, low-key justify his actions. So after he has this long confession, he passes out because he's drunk too much, basically halfway through a confession. And his lawyer arranges for a psychiatric evaluation to be done the following morning. But Gacy wakes up and when his lawyer questions, like, dude, do you remember that you confessed to, like, killing 30 people last night? And Gacy says, quote, well, I can't think about this right now. I've got things to do, end quote. (laughs) So he basically leaves his lawyer just being like, dude, what? (laughs) What the? Uh... What the fuck? (laughs) What? What? And he leaves his lawyer's office and the first thing he does is he drives to a gas station where while he's filling up the rental car he has, he takes a small bag of weed and gives it to the gas attendant, which is how they actually arrest him first before they have the second warrant and actually find the bodies. They arrest him for drug possession. Huh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. So... The bag is immediately handed to the surveillance officers at the petrol station and Gacy says, the end is coming for me. These guys are going to kill me. He then drives to the house of his friend Ronald Road and he basically gives Road a big hug and bursts into tears and says, I've been a bad boy. I killed 30 people, give or take a few. As you do. He then leaves his friend Road's house and drives to another friend um, to meet with Cram and Rossi, which are two people who were involved in the story, which I go into. And as he's driving along the freeway, he's spotted by surveillance officers who are f- trailing him at this point. Because don't remember, forget, he's been trailed by surveillance yeah, of officers. Yeah. So they note that he's got a rosary that he's holding to his face and praying while he's driving along. So... After this, he gets driven to another meeting with a different lawyer. And after meeting with the lawyer, um, his associate Cram informs the police officers trailing him that he's, Gacy's confessed over 30 murders with his lawyer the previous evening. And then Gacy gets his mate to drive him to Mary Hill Cemetery where his father's buried and just like hangs out. With his dad's gravestone for a little while. And then he drives around to a bunch of other random, just like erratic spots around town and stops and gets out and wanders around. And this is when the surveillance detectives get worried he's going to commit suicide. So at this point, they arrest him for the cannabis possession that okay. the gas attendant at the station had told right. them about. Yeah. So it's just like he knows he's done for and is just like, I don't know, having his final goodbyes, the final hurrah around town. But I just found it so interesting that he like goes to his mate's place and then goes to another friend's place and then goes to his dad's grave and it's just so all over the place and sporadic. Interesting. But also interesting that he was technically firstly arrested on cannabis possession prior to being arrested for murdering 30 people. Yeah, well, I guess they had to keep a close eye on him and get him something. Maybe he did that on purpose. Maybe he thought he would get caught. Potentially, yeah. Because who the fuck gives a small bag of weed to a gas attendant just willy-nilly? Well, you know. And you're sorry, at this point, we don't know if he's a a smoker. Yeah, because it wasn't really, like, previously mentioned. No. So it could just be a thing that he planted so we could actually be arrested because he knew it was coming anyway who knows yeah i had a pretty um interesting discussion with one of our avid listeners matthew stapleton shout out to you i had a pretty good discussion about the state of the world and kind of where we're at with serial killers right now and Mm -hmm. there's a whole argument to say like serial serial killers are still around they're just are they but are they just much better at not getting caught like the Zodiac and Golden State before he was caught with, with um, genetic profiling. Um, I think personally, 
that serial killing has evolved, much like how it did evolve from the 40s and 30s to the 60s and 70s. Because mm. you remember when, if we, if we learn anything from the behavioral science unit and John Douglas and all these important people who revolutionized the FBI, they brought about this change because crime was changing. And yeah. same thing now. I don't think it ever stays the same. It, crime evolves. I don't think we ever... I don't think we have many serial killers anymore because, for a start, we have much better pre-planned institutions and organizations that help children who go through horrible things that some of these people went through. So, they, they help kids who go through traumatic, uh, you know, instances or in- yeah. incidents and they help get children out of households that are violent and traumatic. And if kids grow up showing these triggers or these stresses, we have people who notice that and can help them through it much, much better. Um, not only that, but we also can help them when they get older. Like, we can also see it a lot earlier. We have more people. We have better education. These people are much more active online and we have better ways of surveilling everyone that they're much more easy to see and more easy to spot out than ever before. Yeah. But also, crime's changed. So, we don't ever really see, like, um, a man kills nine women with a knife over the span of three years anymore. Mm. Like, it probably happens, for sure. But it's... Once the first murder happens... The FBI and the criminal profiles have gone to the stage where they're just like, we know who he is. Yeah. Like, it's it also, so intense. It also makes me wonder if because, like, so much of what we know about serial killers is, like, public knowledge. Like, you just type it into Google and you can get thousands of articles about their patterns and what their general behavior is. It makes me wonder if some smarter serial killers like you know like an Edmund Kemper someone who's not like a a spree passionate Richard Speck kills nine people in one night but is like a drawn out do they know that a police are going to be looking for patterns to link victims together so therefore they make sure there are no patterns. So there could be 20 people that have been murdered by the same person, but because this person knows what police are looking for, they intentionally make the way they do it slightly different every time so they can't ever be linked. I think it's a bit of both. I think it's a bit of both criminals are learning, Mm -hmm. but I think it's also that the police are better. Like if you think about it, in you know the 60s or 70s counties didn't really talk to each other and now it's still a thing but districts and counties and different states communicate with each other now and they're much better at doing so so i think it's i think we've seen a drop in serial killers and they've just kind of converted into murderers and spree murderers and what's it's kind of evolved into is rather than i have had a traumatic childhood People at school are horrible to me. My parents are horrible to me. Women don't want to date me. All women are vile, disgusting creatures. I'm going to go to a gun store, buy a gun, and kill everyone in a shopping mall. Yeah, it's It's evolved into mass shootings. And we see mass shootings much more often than we see anything to do with serial killers. And, you know, again, that's not to say that people don't go out and kill people with a knife or plan mm. to kill someone because that absolutely still happens. It, it's 100% a thing. But these kind of people, these mass murderers, these serial killers, what we've learned from every single one that we've covered is they're all to some degree arrogant and narcissistic. They all, have, like, narcissistic they all want or... their names in fucking plaque. They all want their names yeah. on the wall. They all so want their true. pictures everywhere. So when you compare, say, the the kid who dressed up as Joker and shot up an entire cinema, mm. that kid made a statement in notoriety. what he did. He got notoriety and it was condemned fucking like so much that Everyone knew his face, his face is everywhere, his name is everywhere. Yeah, and there's so many arguments that say 
like there's so many proper psychological arguments that talk about how you shouldn't be printing their name and photo. Of course. But for that exact reason. Just to finish my sentence, you, no, you have may not finish that, your sentence. You have that idea of like, here's something I did, it's grotesque, it's disgusting, and the media, no matter what, isn't going to take that on no, board. They, they don't give a shit. They're gonna post his face, they're gonna yeah. post his name, and they shouldn't it should be a rule against that. But that's the thing. There isn't. And that's what these people are looking for. They're looking to get back at mm. the people who have, quote, wronged them. And realistically, they're just innocent people who have nothing to do with their lives. And they get this notoriety they've always looked for. Yeah. Even after, even if they plan to kill themselves, they know they're going to get their name remembered now. Yeah. What's they're it, going to be remembered. What's it called? Suicide by cop? Yeah. Uh, something like that. Um, but compare that to if a person... Uh, say, spends two to three years picking out female victims, tying them up, killing them, and then leaving their bodies in a forest. First of all, it it's, stands to reason that it's a very high possibility that they're going to get caught quicker than they mm. were if they were doing it in the 70s. But also, seven killings over two years, there's not much of a chance of connecting it unless there's actually something connecting it. Yeah. But... And if you're sending letters out to the police to get your name out there or to the press, that also can get traced much more easily. So, but it also gets smothered by the idea of there's a mass shooting that just broke the records of how many people died. Yeah. So you're this trying to be this 70s killer, get your name made like a like a Jeffrey Dahmer or yeah, that's Ed Kemper. So true. I'd never thought of it that way. But there's no room for you yeah, to there's be no that. Nider- so then it changes to how do I get my name out there? Oh, these guys are killing hundreds of or dozens yeah. of people in shopping centers and malls and schools. That's so interesting. I'd never thought of it that way. That, that's, that's the kind of revelation point. I had is that's yeah. a big reason why you don't see serial killers like this anymore is crime has evolved. Can I also just say for anyone, because obviously this is an audio platform and you can't see us tama gets so annoyed when i interrupt him like his <laughs> face whenever i'm like can i just interject his face is like no you fucking can't it's like, not so much in, in, annoyed it's more so if you interrupt and i got this like train of thought i'm also listening to what you're saying and then trying to remember what the fuck i was talking about then it comes back and to forth. me and i'm like uh ed kemp is bad <laughs> Uh, but he was smart, <laughs> just, though. It's so funny. You get this, like, you, like, purse your lips and, like, hmm. Because I'm, like, I'm trying really hard to, like, think about, <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. I've got to, like, remember. so mad at me and I'm, like, well. Um, but, yeah, that, that's. the breaks, kids. That's my thought process and that was after. No, that was really interesting. An, an I genuinely hour. never thought of it that way. Yeah. Because. yeah, the Zodiac Killer was definitely, he was after notoriety and media attention. They that's all what he are. Wanted. They're, yeah. they're, to, to an extent, they all are. Even um, Dennis Nilsson, who never really made asked an effort. Asked for the papers. He asked for the papers. Um, yeah, he, so he, true. He, he didn't give a shit about necessarily getting his name out there in terms of, I'm this killer. But once he got yeah. caught, he was like, I want a book about me. I wanted to say specifically this. I want to help the police because... I love talking about this. Yeah, and it involves me as exactly, well. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, an always to an extent. Observation, Charmer. Um, uh, Wayne did Bertram. You just burp I did. Into the microphone. I did That's very much. Um, Wayne Bertram Williams, same thing, the Atlanta killer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I just got finished reading that part in the John Mine, Douglas yeah. Mindhunter book. That was insane because how they actually sw- they swayed the jury in the courtroom. So, initially. The ju- the lawyer on Wayne Williams, um, and I hope I'm saying that right. His side was convincingly, like, uh, was really convincing and swaying the jury. And like, look at his hands. Look how soft his hands are. Look at his face. He's mm. wearing like Urkel glasses. There's how so can many, he kill anyone? So many conspiracy theories about Wayne Williams not having committed it either not at all or not alone well here's the thing there's so, so many, many there's so many murders that he's the he could be charged for but um in john douglas's opinion there's about like 12 or 13 that he's actually connected to the rest is just 
a sad realization of this is Atlanta, Georgia in the seventies. It's a hard area for some people. And sometimes, you know, black kids are being murdered. White kids are being murdered. It's a fucking horrible thing. That's a realistic thing that's happening in the world. And, he definitely did that fucking shit. Mm. There's so much forensic evidence connecting him to it, but in the 70s, it's so hard to go to a jury. Hey, um, these fibers on this carpet match the fibers we found on the body. And yeah, they're like, they I don't a, know what the fuck yeah. you're talking about. The, that, the actual ju- the um, lawyer on his side, uh, on Williams' side, was had brought a, a square foot of carpet from her office was green, mm. the same color as the carpet from his house, and goes, "Look at it! How can you tell if this is any different to oh, the carpet at the house?" Off. But so then John Douglas and his buddies went to her office, took fibers from her carpet, and analyzed it, and actually showed it to the um, district attorney's office, and said, "Like, if you look closely, these two fibers are completely, completely different. different." And he showed that to the jury. He goes, yeah. as you can see." This fucking dumbass is trying to prove a point, yeah. but actually disproving uh, her own it point. It's green, though. It's the same. So what they, what he did, what um they actually did was, uh, they were celebrating after that sometime, and uh, like the, the district attorney and, mm. and the um Mm-mm. and mm. the cops. So, uh, John Douglas was drinking with them, and they go, "Oh, we're doing well." What do you think, John? Doug- John, and he, and he's like, "Honestly, you're losing the jury," and they're like, "What?" And he goes. You're losing him. He's winning. They Oof. they don't think he's they they yeah. don't know what we know. We're FBI agents. You're the district attorney. They don't know the shit we're talking about. Yeah. They don't know about these fibers, this bullshit stuff. They're looking at him, c- quiet, complacent, soft hands, a black man, a black man being wrongfully quote imprisoned for for the murder of black children. Black children. And you're losing the jury. So yeah. they go, okay, John, whatever. So John goes. All right, you don't want my opinion. That's fine. I'm going to go home. Go fuck yourself. Within a few days of being home, they call him up and they yeah. go, bro, I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're fucking right with that shit. So he flies back, talks with them, um, talks about how he should, how they should like get him. Yeah. So he says, you need someone who, who can like, who has a nice like speaking voice, who can like really get down there and speak yeah. slow and like really sell the jury and you need to um you need to like butter him up because he's arrogant he's he, he has a good idea of he's going to win so far so you need to really like Play sneak in that. there so they he cross-references him and just a side note initially he wasn't going to be on the stand for uh for the the um the the hearing mm-hmm. the, the, so the trial in trial exactly mm-hmm. so he wasn't going to take the stand so then at some point his arrogant piece of shit mind goes I'm going to take the fucking stand because I'm going to kill his shit yeah so his lawyers give this really like you know amazing testimony as to why he didn't do it so then the district attorney cr- uh, cross reference cross reference uh, cross examines him sorry but it's not the actual um district attorney it's the assistant district attorney. Because he has this nice southern drawl, real oh, smooth yeah. voice, and just like can really grip a jury. There is something they, about that southern accent that just like soothes you. You listen to every to word your deepest saying. being. It's like it reaches into my soul yeah. and like it calms me. Um, it grips me, but it also lulls me into this like absolute state of calm that's the thing that's what he's trying to do he's mm. trying to calm him down he's trying to get him to open up open up and open up so he cr- he cross-examines him for seven hours jesus yeah a long time he like works okay him but with that hard. southern accent i would be asleep um <laughs> i mean like i'm gonna just take a nap right here on Ju- john douglas's request john douglas before the trial tells him butter him up get all the stuff out of him then lean into him touch him because the his defense lawyer also touches him showing off his hands and how soft his hands are. Mm. So he goes, you need to lean in, maybe touch him, maybe not up to you and just ask him, was it hard to strangle those little kids necks? Oof. Just like that. Just like that. Yeah. And that's exactly what he does. He gets him real close, grabs his arm and looks at him and goes, 
What was it like? What was it like strangling those little boys' necks? And that's it. And he goes, I think I think it was something like that, or it was like, did you, did you do that? Did you strangle those boys' necks? And he goes, no. Like real, like squeaky. And yeah. then he goes, and then he goes, fucking off. He goes, this is. The FBI trying to blame me. The FBI. And he's pointing at John Douglas directly because he's behind the the, yeah. the district attorney's um, stand. He's going, it was the FBI. They're trying to blame me. And he's going off. This is the first time he's lost his shit in mm. the courthouse. And it was exactly what they needed for the jury to go, this guy's fucking crazy. Yes. <laughs> there's some anger issues simmering below but, the but surface. That's literally what got him the guilty verdict was after... Admittedly, like several hours of deliberation, the jury mm. were like, "Yeah, this guy's fucking guilty as hell." But see, I would just love, and I'm never going to get to do it because I have no plans on ever murdering anyone. But I would love to be interrogated to just see how well, I would hold up. You because know what we I should think do? I would do it. I think I'd do really well. You know what we should do is we should actually like get an interview with an actual special agent or. Mm. a detective like an australian detective and like have like a false persona and try as hard as you can not to slip up because i don't know if we've ever talked about this in the show before but and mind you this is not a trait of mine that i'm particularly proud of but it is a trait that is very useful i'm an excellent liar yeah like like straight up, I'm a great liar. You got a good poker face. Yeah, it's, it's my resting bitch face. So as long as my face is just relaxed, it just looks like my face. Mm. That would be really fun to do. We we, should, we could like film it. Uh, you could try as hard as you can. You get points on like how well you oh do here. Oh my god! Here. Can we? Please? Yeah, this would be really would fun. So the issue fun. is finding a cop. Who a cop who's willing to, to like, <laughs> like, um, like, yeah, okay, I'm little, solving child murders. Children, yeah. like, sure, I'll come and play your game. Cool, sounds yeah. great. Like, what else are you doing in isolation, bro? John Douglas, what are you doing next yeah, week? JD, bro, because what's I going know on? this is his favorite show. <laughs> Yeah. Can you imagine? I would die. <laughs> I would fucking die. If anyone I would die. Do you know what though? Because the amount of times we've referred to him as Johnny D on this show, <laughs> I'd actually be so embarrassed if he ever listened. Because he's like this refined, uber intelligent man, and we're just like, yeah, good mate, Johnny yeah. D. <laughs> Distinguished FBI agent Johnny D. <laughs> it would actually be so bad. See, oh, man. I'd have if to, anyone, like, fess um, up. If we ever interviewed him, I'd have to be like, look, I just have to make a confession. Dude, if anyone we, knows Johnny D, tweet this at him and then... We have to go... We're going to have to stop calling him Johnny D. Nah, you'll be all right. JD. <laughs> nah. JD, mate, what's going on? It's an affectionate nickname. Yeah. Oh, man, I love Johnny D. Same. I love a bit anyway, of D. one day... One day we'll get to chat to him. Yeah, that would be out. That would be fun, um, as well as just interviewing a actual special mm. agent in in um, interrogations, just to see what it's like to be someone in the current age doing that. I'd love to see if I could fool a lie detector. You could. All you all you would need to do is read a book on how to do it. If you, it, this whole idea of like positive reinforcement and manifestation is if you believe it it's real well it's mainly about because i doesn't lie detectors go off your heart rate basically don't they it's connected to your fingers so i would assume so so i would assume as long as you can keep your heart rate at a consistent pace yeah i don't know i don't know enough about it i'd be very interested to that's know. the thing is um i guess with anxiety though it's like kind of a difficult thing not to feel anxiety but then i think the idea is they they do like dummy questions and then they gauge how like nervous you are even just saying things like that are truthful mm. so because that. i get nervous going through like airport security yeah. i'm like what if they find all the cocaine in my suitcase that and then i'm like there, there is no cocaine in your suitcase yeah. but i'm like yeah but what if they did yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, there is nothing in my bag yeah. and I am still the shitting The reptile brain's brick. going, I'm going yeah. to die. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, I don't know. I'd be interested to see how I went. Mm. But like I said, I don't have any plans on committing crimes, so I would never be in an actual interrogation, which is yeah. oddly disappointing. But there is that weird fascination of like, I just want to be involved. <laughs> I want someone to ask me questions about someone that was like my neighbor. I don't. No, I mean, I don't really, but it's like that part of your brain that goes, yeah, I want a cop to talk to me. Oh, it's that whole thing where you want to you wanna witness the drama but not be directly involved oh, in yeah, it. Oh, yeah, that's what I that's mean. That's the like, best. Say like one of our fucking um, neighbors. Like, oh, when there's drama around you but you're not directly involved. That's what I mean. It's so much fun And then like a a police officer comes around and they're like, did you hear anything? And you're like, ooh, I'm important. I did hear something Saturday night. Um, Yeah, that would be actually really interesting. I hope no one actually dies. That'd be terrible. But yeah, I'd love to see if I could fool a lie detector. That would be fun. Yeah, we should do that sometime. Um, Retweet this episode and share it anywhere that you... Are available just to tag, share just tag John Dun. Actually, don't tag John <laughs> Douglas in this episode, please. Yeah, please tag him in one of our main episodes don't where harass, we sound. Don't harass our boy Johnny. Dude. Somewhat. He's a professional. He's a, he's a family friend. <laughs> he's a very close. Comes around on family friend. He comes around for tea every Sunday afternoon. Yeah. He's a good he's, lad. He's actually the fact checker on all our episodes. <laughs> yeah, he's our he's uh, our last line of defense and editing. Oh, God. All right. Well, I don't really have anything else to talk no, about. No, I'm, I'm done. We've talked that's about it. Chris Watts. We've talked about John Gacy. We've talked about childhood trauma. Yep, that's it. Um, share this episode and all our other episodes, please, so we can get fucking sponsorships. and Give us a five-star review on iTunes. Um, we're on Ko-Fi. Is it Ko-Fi or is it Coffee? I think it's Ko-Fi. I think we've had this discussion before and it's Ko-Fi. I think it's Ko-Fi. Because the whole thing is you buy... Us a coffee. Yeah. Which makes me think that it's But their coffee. whole thing isn't that you buy someone a coffee, it's... No, it's that you buy someone a coffee. It's literally that you buy someone a coffee. Their logo is a coffee cup. But it's co-fi, so it's Yeah, co-fi. which is... But that's why I think it's like a... a trying to be clever and say it's coffee, but I think it just co-fi. looks like it's coffee and you go, oh, coffee, <laughs> but it's actually co-fi. Well, I'm going to pronounce it like Ko-Fi because it's spelt like Wi-Fi, so... That's exactly it. That's why I would call it that as well. Well, thank you for tuning in. Uh, this has been our little after-party banter episode, Shaken Not Stirred. Our mini-sode will be out on Monday and our main episode will be out on Wednesday. We hope you have all had a lovely week. You'll find the exits at the front and the back of the aircraft. Please take care when opening the overhead. God, I miss being on planes. Yeah, bring that shit oh. back. Anyway, be careful when you open the overhead luggage because luggage may have moved during the flight. And thank you for flying with Qantas. There's always no smoking. No smoking on the aircraft. Please join us on Monday. Or you can find us on social media at... Social media. <laughs> social media. You can find us on social media at The BSC Podcast. Thank you. All right, thanks for that. Uh, oh shit, we're experiencing turbulence. Uh, oh no. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.